When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I wanted to show them that they are worth something. They can do something and they are able to do something with themselves and have financial independence and have uh, a self-esteem that they could be proud of because they are willing to achieve something. So basically, it is simple. There's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having Rubima with me today. How are you? Fine, Jerome. How are you? Amazing. You are in New York, right? Yes, New York. But that's not where you started. This story is going to be phenomenal, guys. You better buckle up your seatbelts. We're about to go on a journey. And so I think we're going to head over. Well, before we do that, listeners want to get in contact with you. What's the best way to do that? I'm on LinkedIn under Rubima Ibrahim. I'm on Instagram, Rubima5. And my email address is rubima.aop at gmail.com. Boom. Got it. Three ways. Get connected, guys. Okay. And so we're leaving the U.S. and we're getting on a big old plane, baby. And we're going to Africa. So, Rabima, talk to me a little bit. I know you were born here and then you left and went across that little pond we call the Atlantic Ocean to another continent and have done some really amazing things. Tell me the story before you got back to New York a few years ago. I was actually born in South Africa. I mean, I lived here for a while, but I was born in South Africa. I came here when I was six weeks old. But anyway, yeah, so 18-hour flight. It's a very, very long flight to get to South Africa. But I lived there for many years. And I was 19 when I got married. And I was thrown into marriage, first-year pregnancy, and leaving my parents' home. Three very, very separate milestones that you're supposed to enjoy one step at a time. And what I did is everything I do, I do in in bundles. So I did everything together and um, landed up doing three major milestones in one year of my life. And that was my journey that started when I was 19 years old in South Africa. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And so 
you leave new husband, new baby, new country, <laughs> all these news. What, what was your husband already working there? Like what took oh, yeah. you he's, back he's to the South place? Africa? No, he's from South Africa. I lived there for a lot of my life as well. So um, what happened is, yes, he's in South Africa. He was in a family business. He's always been there. And I was actually also studying at the time. And uh, but because I were I fell pregnant and I had a illness where, you know, with my pregnancy, where it was very difficult for me to carry on studying, I had to stop my studies and I had to go through the pregnancy of which I was in hospital for most of the pregnancy. My son was born premature at 34 weeks. I had morning sickness the day of giving birth. So that's how bad uh, my pregnancies are. But he was born premature. We had um, we had a scare because it's your first child. You don't really know what to expect. And uh, the doctors had prepared us to expect the worst. But thank God he was born very well and healthy. No machines required, but he was premature. So he needed very, very extra care in handling and feeding. But he's good. Everything is good. Okay. And so he comes, you get situated as a new mom. And then do you finish your studies? Do you start a work or do you just stay home and do the work of being a mom? No. So basically, I had to shift my focus entirely because of the pregnancy and everything that I was going through at the time. I had to put my life as such on hold. It was something that I needed. I, I never lost the, lo the longing and I never lost the drive to carry on one day, which I'm happy to say I finished my degree. I finished my four-year post-grad, but it was a journey. I had to focus and have all my energies into my son. And I had left everything, but I carried on running small businesses from home because I always had that drive of doing something as an entrepreneur. Although I love my family, my focus is my family, my kids, I always wanted to do something more with my life. So always had small businesses running from my home. But in South Africa, a lot of the times, if, you, if anyone has ever gone to South Africa, they would know that there is a lot of poverty, unemployment, and a lot of lower socioeconomic places where there is so much hardship and, and so much um, lost in education. You know, there's no education. There's no facilities of, of running water, electricity. A lot of people don't have the means of education. And I really saw a, a real need, you know, to be able to tap into that and to be able to do something with that. But I had to wait for the right time because my focus right now was my family, my kids, you know, and, and trying to... and. And, and doing that, but also keeping in mind the drive that I didn't want to let that go. I always wanted that to be something that I would come back to. That's amazing. And I think it's a struggle that many mothers run into. And I know there's some dads out there that put their career on hold in order to rear kids or take care of kids. But I think it kind of overwhelmingly falls on the shoulders of women to make that happen. And so you made the shift on doing what was most important and had success there. And then you move back into the space and start pursuing your dreams. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so definitely. So where I had my first son and then I had my family, but in between that time, right, I have now I have uh, five kids. I have three boys, healthy boys. I have twin identical twin girls. So that is my family. I've raised them. I put my focus into them. And you know, Jerome, what happens when you're focusing on raising your kids, you don't have any adult communication and any adult interaction and you lose yourself right you lose a lot of yourself into parenting like because your whole focus is parenting and raising kids and dealing with teenage issues and dealing with boy problems and girl problems you lose so much of yourself but i i really really tried very hard to not lose that i when they were of a certain age i used to keep a look after them in the day i would study at night finished my degrees ran my small businesses from home but my launch of my main career that i am really really proud of which i have achieved is my medical billing and coding company which i started doing when they were older they were all at school and that is what launched me into the person that i am today it gave me a lot of insight a lot of drive and what i wanted to accomplish i accomplished at doctors aid wow that's amazing so You started this business after getting your kids, you know, less dependent and off doing their thing. Or I guess I should call them independent. Yes. And I think a lot of moms kind of struggle with that phase right there, right? Though they dedicated their whole life to these little people who if we're successful are going to grow up and leave and go do their own thing. You know, if we're not successful then they tend to kind of hang on and be dependent on us, but at least the way my parents described it to me the whole goal is to make sure that you don't need us and if that happens then we did a good job <laughs> so you you get your kids successful and independent and did you have any trouble like figuring out what you were going to do now that you didn't have a never take a break job <laughs> which yeah, is what kids 24, are 24/7 job yeah. it doesn't end it's 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 very it's a, it's a job in its own i remember once i was watching tv and there was this oprah and dr phil show it was a time when dr phil was on oprah every tuesday and he says uh, a stay at home mother is working two full time jobs a day and they don't get paid enough right so that was what i was doing but my doctor's aid was a uh, a business that was basically born from me going into my dad's surgery and helping him just you know whenever the kids were at school i was helping him going in just to keep my mind occupied i never wanted to lose that i always needed to keep my mind sharp with something other than parenting it was just something that i as a person needed to do for myself so i started going into his surgery and helping him and i i saw deficiencies in what what was happening and i basically formed a medical billing company based on the things that i saw were lacking in his medical billing and coding and and coding business he's a surgeon so whatever he was giving out i saw basically a need to correct some things and what i did do is i decided to form a women's only company and i wanted to give opportunities to the women that i was talking to you about people that weren't able to have education and weren't and and basically were at a disadvantage and not because of their own just because of circumstance and i started hiring these women and my interview process was very simple it was two questions it was are you willing to work and are you willing to learn because they had no education 
they had no resumes. They didn't know how to give me a resume. So that were the two factors that I focused on. Somebody who was willing to learn and willing to work. And that is how I hired the women. Wow. Okay. Now that is super simple, but I think it gets to the root of just about everything, right? If you're willing to work and you're willing to learn, I think you can pretty much figure anything out. Is that what the thought process was behind a a two question interview? Yeah. You know, some people will think, is she crazy? I mean, but you know, you're working with women who haven't been able to go to school. You're working with women who don't have money to put food on their tables. You're working with women that have so much potential that they don't even know it, you know? And I wanted to bring that out in them. I wanted to show them that they are worth something. They can do something and they are able to do something with themselves and have financial independence and have uh, a self-esteem that they could be proud of because they are willing to achieve something. So basically it is simple. And you know what? Uh, Most of the time from all the women that I hired, maybe one or two didn't work out, but majority of them are still working today in the same company. Whoa. So it sounds like that thing worked really well, right? It seems like you were able to get the folks. And, you know, we talk about fit and culture and all this stuff, and maybe we're just overcomplicating the thing. Did you have struggles with that where people didn't fit well with the organization? You know, to be honest with you, I'm very hands-on. I did a very hands-on training with everybody, right? And I shifted them around. I mean, if someone wasn't able to do a certain process with the medical billing, we would give them something easier, right? There were times when women would come to me and say, we wanted to work. And you know what? They, they were so good. And they really, really made so much effort to learn. And we would start them from the basics, like just from data capturing. They would come in and just learn how to put information into a computer. And based on how quickly they learned, we would move them around the, 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 the company to where they would reach a level where they were debt in the debt collecting process, if I can put it to you that way, right? We would need people to answer the phones. There were sometimes women that would come to me and tell me, you know what, I have a sister that I need to hire. She's looking for work. I have a daughter. I have a niece. What I needed to do was figure out positions where I could hire as many people as I could, but by while keeping the company still uh, financially sustainable. So what we did is we added departments. We added a printing and stationery department where we would do printing and stationery for doctors so we could hire the extra women. We started helping doctors renovate and refurnish their offices so we could hire more women to do that. And, you know, not realizing what I was doing, just trying to help everybody get us a paycheck. It actually blew out the business, you know, and and at the end of the day, after five, six years, I was shocked at how big, big we became. You think just by doing the, the thing, helping people, solving problems. I you think that the thing worked, huh? That is outstanding. So, okay, you you get to this place where it's like, okay, here we go. All the things are kind of coming together and working. From there, what happens next? You've built this huge business. Do you just keep going? Like what happens next? Yeah, so we decided to move back to the United States. We decided oh. to move because our um 
the law and order and the crime in the country was just a lot for us. We were targeted many times with crime. I remember, you know, we were we kept moving. There was an instance where it all started where we had moved to a home and we were fast asleep. It was maybe two, three in the morning and I heard some noises and I, and I woke up. And when I got up, I'm in my bedroom, the lights are all off. We have a TV in the front of the bed with the DVD player and a video player at the time many years ago. And there were three people in my bedroom unplugging the internet, I mean, the, the TV and the videos. And, and I got up and I see these three figures in front of me and I started screaming. And my husband woke up and they, luckily for our, I mean, luckily for us, they ran out of the bedroom and we ran behind them. And we had seen that the kitchen door was open and all our appliances and everything were lying outside because they had already been in the house for a while and they were busy taking things. And we also hear that many times in South Africa, what has happened and it, and we know about it because it's happened to people that we know is that they would just, if I would have screamed and they had a gun, they would have shot me. I would have been dead. So we were very fortunate that they ran out of that bedroom. Um, O-M-G. Yeah. And, and so do you leave because of that or is there more? Oh, no, no, no. That was the first one. Okay. That was, that was the first one. We were targeted many times. We kept moving. There was a time when myself and my husband were, were driving back from the movies and we were stopped at a red, red light. And I heard something on the side of my door and I uh, look and there's somebody there trying to open my door. And I started screaming again and we just ran through the red light. If there was a car coming, we would have been in a terrible accident. So that was the second point. And it doesn't end there. You know, we were targeted many times. There was a time when we went out to eat at just a normal take off my family. And when I got up, my my handbag, my pocketbook, you call it, it was gone. My money, my glasses, my papers, everything was gone because somebody must have come and just took it from under me. And I didn't even realize it. So all these things were leading up, you know, to us not being able to sleep at night, not being able to just go out for a drive, just looking over our shoulder all the time. That sounds absolutely terrifying. It absolutely was. terrifying. It, it, it was. It was ridiculous. I mean, the one day I went, I was driving home from work and I had my laptop. So I had it in the trunk of my car and I stopped at a mall just to go and buy a few things bought a few things, went home, carried on. I went to work the next morning. I left my computer bag in the car. So I thought. I went to work the next morning. And when I opened the trunk to get my bag, the trunk was empty. So somebody had come into the car while I was inside and taken everything. I got to work that day. I didn't have a computer to work with. So it was all of those things, you know, just always having to look over our shoulder, always having to lock the doors, close the windows. It was just, it was just a lot. And with the kids growing up, it was just, we couldn't send them out to go to their friend's house. We could, didn't want to send them out anywhere because it was just, it's never safe enough. What's up tribe, it's your host Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15 point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. 
Now, was this just kind of random crime or do you think you were targeted because you were helping these women create oh, no. financial stability? No, absolutely random. Absolutely okay. random. It happens. I mean, we are here for the last five years now. And so many of our family members, this has happened. We hear about things every day from, from our family in South Africa because something is happening to somebody all the time. So it's sad. It's really sad that this is happening. So when you were building your business, who kind of showed up to help you along the way? This is a relationship part of the show. Well, the person who helped up show along the way, let me think. <laughs> I always had my, my dad. I mean, that's why the whole thing started is because he's a surgeon and he always used to give me support. He always used to direct me in the right way. So, and, and I suppose that, yeah, that's the answer for you. I've always had that support system of parents, of my brothers and sisters. I always had that. They always showed up for me. I always had that support system in place. Wow. Were you, were you able to accomplish everything you wanted to, but just using family or did like there have to be some people on the outside that showed up to walk down the path with you too? No. So the main person who walked on the path with me is the person I actually left my business with when I came here. They, that's a relationship that I formed a very close relationship is when we decided to move one of the doctors that I used to do billing and um, coding for. He bought my business and he asked his wife to learn the whole process from me. We became very good friends. We talked till today. And she actually showed if it wasn't for her and her efforts in learning everything and them taking over the business, those women that I had hired, I would have been lost as to what to do with them. I was very torn to leave them and, I mean, just close up shop and, and leave them. So because of her taking over everything, it was I could I could leave with peace, you know. So did you like sell it to her or like how did you make this exit because I think that's probably one of the most exciting parts of the journey yeah definitely so yes I did sell it to her I sold it to her I had contracts in place she she actually came with she was actually sitting with me for about six months to a year when this whole process was happening just so that the staff and all the ladies that were working for me would get used to her ways because we were very different she came from corporate world and she had a very different style and I needed the ladies to, to get used to her because obviously when I sat down and I explained to them that we would be leaving, it was very hard on them. There was a lot of uncertainty. They didn't know what would happen to them. They didn't know if they would be kept in the position. There, was a lot, there were a lot of tears and it was a very, very hard to leave them behind. But what we did do is we got them used to her we had put it in the contract. It was one of the things that I actually put in the contract that she was not allowed to, and she wouldn't have because she was very nice and she wouldn't have done it anyway, but for everybody's peace of mind, that she would not do anything to jeopardize their jobs for one year at least. And then if they were not performing, then she would have the right to go through the disciplinary hearings and to give them notice and to tell them what they're doing wrong for them to keep their positions. But for one year, she would keep them as they were, as long as they also meet the criteria. So she, it wasn't something where she can just come in, make changes and, you know, just get everybody out and start something, which was not something that she would have done anyways. So was this like your friend or how did you meet the lady? Because I mean, this relationship, it was your baby, like kind of like your kids, right? You built it from nothing and then it's so large 
and then you're going to leave it behind and move on. So how did that relationship show up for you? You know, this is something that I, I just, it was just meant to be because I was doing the, uh, I was doing her husband's, one of the doctors of medical, I was doing his books. And he was one of, he was my third or fourth doctor that I actually started doing things for. And we had developed a very good relationship myself and him. And when I told him that I'm thinking of moving, he said he wants to, um, and if he would, if he had anybody in mind, or if, because I wanted to sell the practice and I have these ladies and I just, I didn't know what to do. And he actually introduced me to his wife and we started talking and I started showing her what I'm doing. And we we had this instant connection, instant connection of you just meet a person and you immediately click. And I asked, I said, is this something that you would be willing to do? And she was in corporate. She was a CEO of a corporate company and she resigned. She resigned to work with me because she said the mission and the cause and everything you're doing, she wants to be a part of it. And she doesn't want somebody to take it and she wants to be involved in it. So she resigned from her company. She started coming to the office every day, like I said, for six months to a year so that she could understand what exactly this entails, the business entails. And she took over from that point. And we we speak till today. I mean, I had I had a call with her a couple of days ago and we were just talking about the ladies and what they're doing. And it's it's really been a good, good thing that I've left behind and for them to carry on with it. That's cool when something you build lives on past you having to run it day to day. And so you sold the business, kind of left it behind. You and your family came back to New York and you started working some more here, right? Yes, I started working um, for a supplemental insurance company. Also a little bit same. So there we were doing claims for people. And then I had to, you know, I've always focused my energy on listening to people, right? So even when we were doing medical and billing in South Africa, and there was a, a payment that basically somebody had to pay over to the doctor, I would make it something that we had to do. We had to call that person, listen to their story, understand and and fight the case for them for the doctor right we said okay this person is going through this this and this this is how much he owes this is what i think we should settle i would fight for that person because i understand you know what people are going through when i came here we are doing something very similar we're doing supplemental insurance so i am a district manager at aflac and we do supplemental insurance where we put money in the hands of employees, right, of pay- people so that they have assistance when they have financial issues, when they have out-of-pocket bills, out-of-pocket expenses. We are able to put money back to them. It's also very interesting when I go and I do these enrollments on a one-on-one basis. I sit with the, uh, the employees and they tell me their story. And based on what they tell me, I, I offer them products that they can sell. Now, I know insurance, right? You listen to it, you, you, you get hold of an insurance broker. So they run the other way, right? I mean, insurance is not something that people want to listen to. But, you know, these women come to me and they call me. And, you know, this is what used to happen in South Africa. This is happening here also. They call me and they tell me, they thank me. They tell me, you take the time to listen. You take the time to listen to what we need. You take the time to give us and, you know, whatever you are selling to us is helping us. And it just it's just that feedback um, that gives me, you know, that peace and contentment that, you know what, we are making a difference. 
we are making a difference in somebody's lives. We're helping them, right? And we're able to give them that financial sustainability. So it's it's similar what I'm doing here also. For sure. I want to go back because I didn't really dig in on this and I'm, I'm most curious about this. So you, you talked about first prioritizing your family over work. Then you start the work. It ends up growing really large. You talked about why you left being, you know, people breaking in and the crime not being something that you wanted to deal with anymore. The question that I'm most interested or curious about is in building your business, did you have any challenges? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. A lot of challenges because, look, I was not in any corporate world. I never worked for anybody in my life. For the first 15 years, I was a mother and all the focus was all about kids, right? And when you start a business, there are challenges. I mean, what to do? There's, there's, there's blocks. I mean, and, and then also dealing with, with women and training them, people that didn't really come from an educational background, there are a lot of challenges that you face along the way. So yes, we went through a lot of challenges, but you know, Jerome, to be very honest with you, any challenge that we were met with, we, I just, it was something that I knew that we had to deal with, we had to get over, we had to find a solution, and we had to work our way through it. We had many competitors that came, we had many doctors that came and saw what we were doing and wanted to start a similar business, right? We had a lot of competitors that wanted to, to like take us over and do something better. Um, there were a lot of challenges that we faced, but you know, the, the mission behind what we were doing is that we did everything very thoroughly. We did everything with a clear mission. It just, it just blew up. It didn't affect us. No matter the challenges, just keep going, especially if you have clarity on the mission. And so this will be interesting because I think I know the answer, but I'm more curious. What was actually the mission? Ah, the mission was to create employment for financial stability for women or anybody who faced, who didn't have the opportunity to basically have a platform or have somebody that was able to guide them and teach them into becoming sustainable for themselves. It was something that I tried to provide a platform for them so that they would be able to become financially independent and be able to stand up for themselves and provide for their families and create. And, you know, if your mother is doing it, your kids are going to look at your mother and say, if my mother is doing it, I can, they can teach their kids. It can become like a legacy for every family that I have helped to be able to create a legacy within their family so that education becomes something that is important to them and they're able to create futures from that for their generations to come. I love it. I love it. That clarity and it's still certain for you today. So, Rubima, what's the thing you're most grateful for these days? I'm grateful for my family. Yeah. I'm grateful for whatever I, I've tried to achieve here, I'm actually getting it. I'm, my doors are opening here as well. I've, I'm, I'm on, on your podcast, which is a milestone. It's my first podcast, right, in my life. So you, <laughs> I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the doors that are opening right now for me. I'm busy writing a book as well on everything that we've spoken about and some. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually very thankful for this company that I've, I've recently joined. I've recently expanded my myself and I'm doing the AFLAC. I'm a district manager at AFLAC. And I've actually joined a company that provides 
financial planning for individuals. And we've started doing financial workshops in companies where it's free of charge, no obligation, nothing. It's just a free service that we provide to basically educate people in how to run their finances to create sustainability within themselves and for their families. So this is something that I'm also grateful for. This also came to me. I didn't go out looking for it. It was just something that I wanted to do. And it came knocking on my door. So I'm grateful for everything, health, the wealth, the family. I'm grateful for everything that life has to offer right now. And out of that gratitude comes more, 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 more opportunities. I've heard of that. Yes, I used to hear of that. But yes, it's true. Wow. Okay. So what dream are you most focused on catching that? Well, I'm basically writing a book, right? My next level is I need to grow from where I am. So I'm writing this book and I've joined this financial planning company. And that's my focus right now. Those two dreams are my focus. I think that will be able to um, guide me into growth for the next three years. Beautiful. What gift are you giving the world? What gift am I giving the world? I suppose if anybody looks at me, like if my kids look at me also, which which is something very important to me, I want my children to be able to see what they can achieve if they put their mind to it. And I just feel that if I can make a difference in somebody's life and it can be paid forward, we can really make a difference in this world. So you focus on your small goals. You focus on creating goals that lead to your bigger picture and what you want to achieve. And you just try to balance your life. (laughs) Well, I want to affirm you for being someone who is making a huge impact on the world and living selflessly. I think a lot of folks are pretty selfish and it seems like time after time you've gotten rewarded for making a decision to put others' dreams, hopes, ambitions in front of your own. And so I, I really want to appreciate you and and edify you for making that choice because I know it's a pretty difficult one. Thank you. And so the final question is, what's one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? Uh, so... You need to decide what you want out of your life and you need to be balanced, stay in the present, let go of the things you can't control and just enjoy every day to the fullest. Rubina, you have lived a life of significance and it just shows through and through by your ability and desire to give to others. I really appreciate your generosity by coming and sharing with our listeners. And for our listeners, until the next time, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.